Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting-edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is James P. Friel. I am super excited to be here with you on the show today. We've got a very interesting guest who I will introduce in just a moment. And before I do, you guys know him as my co-host. I know him as the guy who makes empty promises to me. <laughs> Mr. Dean Holland, how are you today? <laughs> I come nothing full of delivered promises, and you know that. Yeah, I have a journal. Uh, I keep track of all of the empty promises that you make to me. In fact, uh, for some strange reason, Dean promised he's going to take me to go get whipped cream after the show. (laughs) I'm just not even going to go into that anymore other than to let people just imagine what that might be for. And and believe me, I'm as creeped out as you might be listening to that. (laughs) So today's guest, uh, we are very, uh, very fortunate to have Sherry Fitz with us. Sherry has a uh, long career in marketing and branding. And um, at some point, I'm going to ask her to tell the story about selling rose petal for perfume uh, when she was a young girl. Uh, I guess that's when your entrepreneurial career really started, isn't it, Sherry? I think so. Yeah. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Good afternoon for me, by the way. Yeah, we don't. We we're not worried about what it is for you, Dean. Good morning, <laughs> Sherry. <laughs> just hush, Dean. You get your whipped cream soon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just calm yourself down. So, Sherry, um, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Good. Yeah. So one one of the things I I definitely need to unearth is this story about you going door to door selling rose petal perfume or some, something like that. I don't even know if mm-hmm. I have the story right. Mm-hmm. But you were like a kid when you did mm-hmm. that. Am I right about yeah. that? Yeah. So when you start to think about how you ended up where you are, I've been digging into m- my stories. And all of a sudden, I remembered a couple of years ago, holy criminy, I remember being like five or six. And my brothers were young at the time. And then um, there, there were those glass baby food jars. We had a ton of them in the house. You know, the smush yeah, peas come in yeah, them. Sure. Dean's eating out of one right now. Are you eating the peas, <laughs> the peas or the peas and carrots, that really lovely color together? Brown. Mm, yeah. My favorite. <laughs> they were just sitting around. And I don't know exactly, but I picked some rose petals and I put them in the jars, you know, cleaned with water. And then I had a little red rider, like red rider. Well, you know, those, those, um, wagons, radio flyer, radio flyer. Thank you. Yeah, Red riders, the BB gun, unless you shoot your eye out that one. No, not that one. The other one. (laughs) That's a great way to sell things though. At gunpoint. I mean, maybe we Mm -hmm. can get to that in a minute. (laughs) Yeah. I'd I'd walk to people's doors and point my BB gun at them. No. Um, (laughs) and it's interesting. That was when I was like, Five or six. And I was brave enough to do that. I thought that was quite interesting. 
Yeah. I don't recall if I sold any, but I, I know I was an award-winning candy salesperson for my campfire girls. Award-winning yeah. candy salesperson. Like, is that, uh, like, did that go on your permanent record? Like, how does that happen? Well, you know, you try to scrape some stuff up like this to validate, you know, being a professional. And yeah, so I'm a campfire girl, award-winning campfire girl, candy person. Yep. Mm-hmm. I guess, uh, I guess you and Dean have a lot more in common than I thought you did. <laughs> oh, did you? Uh, were you a campfire girl too, Dean? You're on fire today, James. <laughs> it's just, I'm just so excited to get to the whipped cream later, Dean. That's all it really is. <laughs> yes, Dean was a campfire girl. Actually, I think, are you still a campfire girl, Dean? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, what day is it? <laughs> <laughs> so Sherry, so is that where did the entrepreneurial bug come from? Was it your parents? Were you just like sort of like blazing your own trail? Like how did it how did it all begin for you? You know, I don't really know. I do know that like as an example, my first real job after babysitting, which was boring and horrible, I was I was a paper girl in uh, Northern California. California. And I rode my bike around in the afternoon. This was when papers were being still delivered, right? So don't ask me how old I am. But then I would ride my bike around and had a pack of dogs following me. That's when dogs were not required to be on leashes. And I started out with like a, you know, a root of 50 and I ended up growing it to a hundred. I don't know. I just, I liked it. I, I think what it is, is I liked controlling um, how much money I could earn because mm-hmm. I could, I could sell stuff, right? So that was fun. Absolutely. So, um, so how do you go from selling rose petals in water in Gerber baby food jars and being the campfire girl candy salesperson of the world <laughs> to working in it? And excuse me, but I've been in the financial services industry. I know how boring it can be. How do you make that leap to being like a digital strategist and marketer in financial services? Well, yeah. So I will, I will make it very short. I found myself in the, uh, like as a marketing assistant in the early, early, early nineties and, um, ended up, I'm very comfortable with computers. My father was a computer programmer. I used to go into his office with him when computers took up the whole room. And then there were those huge hard drives that were beautiful copper plates. And so I, I wasn't afraid of computers and I ended up touching something called PageMaker 1.0 and, and, got into graphic design and refused to be bad at design. That was during the desktop publishing thing. And I was like, I'm not going to be a desktop publisher. That's ghastly. So I fast forward, ended up being a designer for employee education and communication materials in the 401k world. And then we created products. And in the mid late nineties, I I ended up with not a salesperson for our products. And I, I was a leader of a group of people and I went, well, holy smokes, if no one sells this stuff, then we're not going to have a job. And so thankfully, two of my colleagues went, why are you trying to hire a salesperson? Just go out there and do it yourself. And I loved it. I loved it, but I had a sales objective. And so with my sales objective, I had to market. And that was, you know, I coded my own website. I did email marketing early on because I didn't have any money or any budget. And so that's how I kind of made the leap to where I am today. I've, I've been at this intersection of marketing and sales and digital for my career. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm like an ultra early adopter, but I'm a fairly early adopter of things. I like to play with things. I like to hack stuff. And I just ended up the timing in my life was right. 
Awesome. And Dean, you noticed she was about to tell us how long she was doing it, but then she just said during her career. She's very careful. I did notice that. Yeah. I did note the diversion was very obvious. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. We, we're not going to make you say it, Sherry, but we are definitely going to point out the fact that you're withholding information from us. I have uh, my AARP card. Okay. <laughs> just FYI. It's like, that's why I started my own business, by the way, is I got my AARP card and I went, holy criminy. I'm grown up now. I better right. get this going. That's basically the adult card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You really specialize in like branding and sort of client experience and customer experience and things like that now. And I think one of the, from my perspective, one of the biggest differentiators that any company can do is really create that connection with their, with their customers and with their audience. And, you know, not just from a marketing perspective, but all the way through the entire, you know, buying cycle and, and using the product or service or whatever. So what, what are some of the things that, you know, that you've been seeing that are working effectively in helping people create that connection with, uh, you know, with their audience? So I think the first thing, and it was interesting because I had a conversation about this the other day, is that the realer people are, yeah, to, to your point, almost, you know, the way that people don't take their, themselves too seriously, the people that are kind of more transparent and more vulnerable, to me, actually end up securing more of the market because I think that vulnerability begets vulnerability. And so to me, I think, and I see, and I guess I appreciate people who are clearly themselves. There's no line between work and personal. Now, granted there's lines, but you know, I'm not, you know, but uh, so I think that how can businesses create that same feeling and the ones that take those risks, I think, especially in my world, right? The ones that take those risks, I think, are going to be amply rewarded. So give me, so give me an example. Give me an example of this, like where, where you've, uh, you've seen somebody, you know, be real, be vulnerable, take some of those risks, and it's, and it's really paid off. Yeah. Uh, there's a company called LearnVest, and they are in the world of financial services, owned by a group of millennials talk about the fact that money is hard and it's it's complicated and they, that people have beliefs about it and then they work to kind of say well let's just let's just talk about this let's just say let's just say that there's shame and fear and doubt and let's just help you with that instead of talking about like beta and alpha and portfolios and whatever. They're talking about more of the real stuff, the more of the things that people worry about. And um, they're kicking ass. And what does that mean? Like, what are they like when they're kicking ass? Like, does that mean they're like, they're growing super fast? Does it mean they're, you know, like, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. What does that so mean? They're, gro they're growing quickly. They're garnering market share. Uh, they got purchased. Don't ask me by whom, because it's still early for me, but you know, they, and they're making changes in, in this vast sea of financial services. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And here, here's the other thing. You know, you would think that in their blog, they would focus on all the boring stuff, dollar cost averaging, what's a stock, what's a bond, all that kind of stuff, because that's what they do. And in fact, what their CEO does is blog about what it's like to run a company. Right. Dean, I know, uh, I know creating a customer experience uh, for you is something that you're actually being very intentional about these days. Definitely. Yeah, I've um, 
A lot of what we do now is is about customer experience, actually. For the last uh, maybe like, I don't know, year, I would say, as we've started, uh, I mean, you and I spoke before, didn't we, James? I've, I've been growing a lot of our you know company resources, moved into a new office, grown the team. And, you know, a lot of what the, the new, you know, the, the team members here are focused on is that customer experience. And I tell you, one of the things that we found like huge to do with this is a lot of people are, I see a lot of companies and, and entrepreneurs that are focused on new customer acquisition and they put so much energy into acquiring the customers. But I think where a lot of companies fall short is looking after those customers and giving that customer experience to turn those into lifelong fans, you know, and repeat customers. And that's where, that's where all to, like certainly for us, and I, I would suspect for, for most companies, when you can really get that right like that's where the profits are going to be you know it's it's no secret is it that you know probably the most expensive thing for a business is to acquire new customers but once you've got them i I, it always staggers me like how 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 few people seem to put so much more emphasis on looking after those people wowing those customers giving them that experience where they they want to come back and keep buying it's not like you have to keep like constantly trying to sell to these people it's like give them a great experience wow them once you've got them and you'll, you'll have them for life. And one of the things we've really focused on at the moment and one of the decisions we kind of made internally in, in the business here not long ago is to really just put our focus into having, um, over the years ahead, acquiring 1,000 real, true fans and clients and really serving them to the best of our ability for years and years and years to come and not constantly always worrying about acquiring new customers. It's how can we serve the ones we have at such a level that not only do they get the results that we deliver as a company to them as our clients, but then how do we continue to help them grow and develop so they stay with us for years and years? Dean, that is so fantastic because I say this same thing. Um, I, in fact, I wrote a blog post about that on Valentine's Day about feeling commoditized, show people some love. You know about mood.com. They're fantastic this way. They make the sale and then they hold your hand the whole time. And then when you get it, they print stuff, but they focus on, they, they treated the packaging just like our high tech friends do. Um, I agree. I can't say, I mean, you know, I can't say it anymore. I agree with your perspective and yeah, yeah. that's awesome. See, James, do you hear that? Do you hear that, James? Yeah. Give him some whipped cream, <laughs> yeah. James. Come on. I heard it. What, what you don't realize, Sherry, is that you're being lulled into agreement with his British accent. If he were to speak <laughs> it in plain English, I'd probably be less quick to agree with him. Oh, people with accents and people in uniforms get me every <laughs> well, hello then. Uh-oh. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> he has an accent he wears a plaid uniform (laughs) plaid not so much i'm from portland oregon holy crime and there's a plaid problem here in portland all right sorry dean i thought i thought we had a match here there we go you came along and ruined it again yeah (laughs) how many times have i done that to you you know what though I, i joke about like the plaid and everything but but sometimes, like, you don't want it, your customers to necessarily have a plaid experience, right? Mm-hmm. You want them to have an experience that is exciting to them. And and I think too often people are just like, oh, like, oh, let's sure. just do it like everybody else. And you know one of the things I've found as well? Like, we know when we first started doing this stuff, I was like, oh, how can we really wow people above and beyond what they'd expect? And I started thinking all these extravagant things. And you know what? I realized... 
yeah, you can you can go as crazy as you want. But one of the things that we've realized in doing this is it's not difficult to give a great experience. Like it is not difficult to over deliver. You know, you could do anything. It could be small. But if it's not expected by the customer, by the client, then it can have huge effects. Like even down to like you can send a postcard for pennies that just say, thanks for being a customer. Like, and you'd be surprised, like we, we give, here's one example, right? And I, I don't mean to hog the airtime here, but I just want to share this because it's been so great for us. We've started calling our customers that order a sub $20 product. So they would order a $10 item, like a digital product. So normally they wouldn't expect to hear from anyone other than through email, right? And for our, in, for my industry, they're normally getting bombarded with email and they probably hate it. We started picking up the phone. I've got someone in the US. She calls every single customer. And the whole point of the call is just to say, hi, thank you so much. Did you get the product all right? Or can we help? And that's it. Like they actually answer the phone skeptical that we're about to start trying to sell them something, but we don't. And the effects that we've seen from that is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think what a lot of, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of companies forget is that your customers are people. And people want to connect with other people and they want to feel like they're, uh, they want to feel the humanity that comes across in that connection. You know, when I was, uh, when I was at HSBC, Dean, you'll know these guys, uh, First Direct is a, uh, division, division of, uh, HSBC and in Leeds around where you are. And those guys had the highest customer, uh, recommendation score of like any financial services company simply because whenever they needed it, they could talk to a real person and it wasn't a big deal. And they could just pick up the phone and say, Hey, I've got this problem. And there were like all these crazy stories of people who had questions for these, uh, for these, you know, uh, call center people with, with had nothing to do with their bank, nothing to do with their credit card or anything like call like, Hey, what, what kind of gift do you think I should get my wife for anniversary? Like really like that's the kind of, uh, relationship that they'd established and the customers were insanely loyal and uh, and it was one of the most profitable uh, profitable divisions of the entire bank simply because they create an amazing customer experience. Yeah, yeah, like have a human on the phone. Yeah, wow. I know we don't expect very much at all. We're we're we've been lulled into the minute right. you start to have a problem, you're like, oh, here we go. I'm gonna, and then somebody answers the phone and fixes it, and then you're delighted. And it doesn't have to cost that much money. When I speak, I reward people for interacting with me every once in a while by giving them polka dotted socks. Mm-hmm. And you would be amazed, one, <clears throat> how people begin to raise their hands. And two, how people say, years later, uh-huh. I gave your socks to my daughter. She loves them. She wears them all the time. Or... They end up taking pictures and posting it on Facebook because they're wearing my socks. And and I've done like collectibles now year after year. And it, yeah. the price point for those are $7. It's nothing, you know, to your point, Dean, a postcard. What? All right. in maybe 75 cents exactly. when you print it and put a stamp on it and, you know, have a human sign it. Yeah, I love I love thank you cards. I love getting them. I love sending them because nobody does it anymore. Like as as the internet's developed over the last like 10 years and beyond and it's going crazy fast. Like I think people are I think people and companies and brands they're losing they lose that personal touch. And people I think 
one of my perceptions has been as we've been growing over the last sort of year is like people just want to know that they're noticed. It's like on the internet, you're, you're, you're not really, you're kind of, you're just a number. Like somebody, somebody buys a product. You don't see that person. There's no, you're not physically taking money from them. It's all happening through, through websites and online and digital. And people aren't, people, I think a lot of times they don't feel recognized. So if somebody just says thank you or they receive that card or, you know, somebody notices them, it's, it's, it's a, as, stra- as strange as this is in today's age, I think it's a different experience to be noticed, <laughs> which is weird. Well, and, and then they, they tell their friends. Right, exactly. You don't need to, it's best referral thing ever. 100%. Well, and then you look at, um, you know, so, you know, like what, uh, what Tony Robbins teaches about the six human needs that we all have, you know, the top need, or at least the top one or two needs that almost every person has is a need for feeling significant. And when people just feel like a number and they don't feel like, you know, they're appreciated or anything, like you don't meet that need of feeling significant. And the, you know, all the things like the postcard or the polka dotted socks or like whatever it is, it goes that extra step to say to somebody, Hey, you're special. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why, and that's where people continue to do business. And that's where, you know, this like, you know, from a, from a numbers perspective, this really drops to the bottom line because getting that person in the door in the first place is the super hard, challenging and expensive part. It's just a lack of creativity and a failure of imagination that creates a great experience. And it's so much more cost-effective to create a great experience than it is to just have a revolving door of new customers if you just really understand what makes what makes people happy and feeling feeling appreciated significant does that uh, almost every single time. Yeah. Lifetime value. I think people forget that, the lifetime Very value. Very true. Yeah. I think and- Starbucks calculated it uh, and I, this was from a thing I did a couple of years ago, but I think it's like Starbucks calculated that their lifetime value of a client was like $1,400 or $14,000. I'm not good with zeros publicly, <laughs> but it, they, they've, well, actually calcul- <laughs> they've actually calculated it. And they do, you know, they have, you know, they're, they're this poster child of client experience, but they, they also, Dean, and I wonder about this, like they also give their baristas and their their crew the opportunity to misspell people's names like do a play on somebody's name sometimes just because because then people go well wh- this is hilarious somebody actually thought about me etc do you do you with your folks do you give them like a blanket budget or what kind of leeway do you give them you know besides designing and being intentional but do you do you let them play a little bit in their own sandbox we we're um i i've intentionally kept our team smaller than it it potentially could be um because i i actually i i'm i'm a bit weird i guess in this sense like i i personally have no desire to have a company that's got hundreds of employees i just i don't even want it to be honest um and the reason for that being is i very much see my company and my team and our clients all as like i'm a very family orientated person myself and so the, I think one of the things that, that we do really well with our team is like everybody's an individual in the company and, and like there's no, there's no kind of like, oh, here's your script that you have to say to this or here's how you 
have to handle that. Or when you pick up the phone to that person, you must say this. Like everybody's, it's just, we just run it as like, we're real people. Like talk to people like you would a friend, like talk to people, you know, have a laugh with people. I mean, this is, this is why, you know, James and I do the show in the way we do, like, because business isn't any different to real life. You shouldn't feel like, at least in my opinion, like you shouldn't feel like some robot that has to do things in a set rigid way and just be like, oh, say this, do that, do that this way. This is the process. Now, I know a lot of people, it's all about, you know, standard procedures. And I get that. We have those things. I'm not saying we don't have structure, but I don't know if I'm saying this in the correct way in the sense of, you know, everybody, you know, our, our customers love my team as much as they they love me you know they deal with individual members on my team equally as much if not more than they do with me and they 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 have a great time with those people does that make sense like everybody everybody has their own identity i guess is what i'm getting at and you know it's it's that's how we've always done things it's exactly what i was trying to articulate earlier which is the people that understand that there's no barrier between being personal and and business are the ones that are going to be successful because to your point, we're all human beings. We all are motivated regardless of whether we're a consumer or we're a business customer. It's the same thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. Cheer that James. We're just getting on now. You don't need to be here. I don't. I've just, uh, I've just sort of faded into the background. You guys have taken it and run with it, (laughs) making my job so much easier. The biggest surprise and delight for me in this uh, in this show today is that Dean has made a meaningful contribution. <laughs> um, you know, normally, I don't expect that. Uh, usually, just cracks jokes and makes empty promises to me and tells me things that he thinks I want to hear. Well, that's that's because what a lot of our guests and listeners don't understand is before you hit record and we broadcast, you basically tell me, Dean, you'll sit there and you'll speak when you're spoken to. <laughs> if you dare step out of line, I'm cutting you off. Yeah, that's, like, that's what people don't get to hear, the relationship behind closed doors. Right. Dean should be seen and not heard. And in the case of the podcast, just not heard. <laughs> There's a, been clear violation of the terms of this podcast today. So uh, I'm sorry, Dean. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, you I appreciate it. the opportunity. Though this is the only time I've spoke this year. <laughs> He's it's been all pent up, Sherry. Some something about <laughs> you has just gotten him just like you know feeling comfortable, and I think that's uh, that's a sign of your your just your warmth and ability to create a great a great experience for people. <laughs> <laughs> that works, James. Thanks. You're welcome. I'm trying to see how I could crowbar that in. Way to tie it up. Nice little, very good bow. Yeah. Very good package. Really good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so Sherry, what, um, what are you up to right now that, uh, you know, people can go and check out more about you? I know you've got uh, a blog that you're very active on. Is that the best way to go and connect with some more of your work? Yeah. Yeah. I, there, I just sent one out today. What's the one today? Oh, WTF. Meaning what the font? What the um, font? I like what the font because mm-hmm. I started actually in this industry, as I mentioned, as a graphic designer, and I still geek out about fonts. I can't believe people use Calibri. James, did you need me to explain what Sherry did there? Do you you understand the the play on words that just happened? I know sometimes you're a bit slow with these things. <laughs> I'd actually like you to tell me what Calibri means. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so I have a blog. I like to write. I just wrote another blog post this morning called The Trouble with Turtles. So I enjoy doing that. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm a speaker or whatever, but come hang out in my sandbox at sherryfits.com or shoefits.com. It's, uh, you know, I, I try, I personally 
work to try to same thing when I'm teaching people, I I'm learning myself and I'm looking around. I'm trying to find metaphors for what I do and my experiences as a consumer or a business person. So it's pretty fun. I mean, I, you know, that's what we do. We, we keep playing in these sandboxes. Can we expect that there will be a blog post in the future on your new uh, love affair with Dean? <laughs> Possibly. Actually, it's likely. <laughs> Excellent. It's going to be, it's somehow it's going to be, it's all about the whipped cream. It has to be, right? It has to be. And James and I will send the photos on after we're done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to reading that. Um, I, uh, I'm not looking forward to having those photos posted. <laughs> just, yeah. uh, just so okay. you know. <laughs> In any case, Sherry, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. It's been delightful. Yes. Thank you. And it has been awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And if you guys need to like, you know, say some sort of special goodbye before we sign off, I totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> is that your, is that your sultry voice? Dude? I don't know what that was. I just, just, I don't know. It just, just came out. I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, Sherry, you may want to reconsider writing that blog post. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah, D- Dean can be a stage five clinger if he's given too much leeway. So mm. I love that uh, term, stage five clinger. Well, like, let's not just associate that with me now from here on out. I like that a lot. I think maybe we should. Um, <laughs> thank you, Sherry, so much for being here today. Uh, Dean, a pleasure as always, or at least that's what the producers tell me I'm supposed to say. <laughs> Um, thank you guys once again, and we will come to you guys next time with another episode of Justin Tips. Later. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreel.com forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.